For more information on Ancient Dragon Zen Gate, please visit our website at www.ancientdragon.org. Our teachings are offered to the community through the generosity of our supporters. To make a donation online, please visit our website. Today, we honor and uplift that this territory is home to the original stewards and guardians of Chicagoland, the Ojibwa, Odawa, and Potawatomi nations. Their alliance is known as the Council of Three Fires, first formed in the year 796 of the Common Era at Michimikinak, also known as Mackinac Island in Michigan. These peoples did and do still exist. Without their committed stewardship, we would not be enjoying this place today. Can people in the back hear me? You can hear, okay? Can people on Zoom hear? Okay. Um, so great to be here with everybody today. It is really chilly. Um, <laughs> I, and uh, there's not much we can do about that. I'm, I'm hoping that everyone is taking advantage of the fire and... Um, yeah, and taking care of yourselves and each other. You know, Sashin is something that we really can only do together. It's not something that we can do by ourselves. And we know this because we have been, you know, many of us sitting together via Zoom for the past, I think, seven months. And, you know, and many, many other people are joining us on Zoom today. Actually, we're broadcasting uh, live but it feels nice to be able to, you know, see your faces not through a screen. So thank you so much for being here. I want to talk today about case four from the Book of Serenity, which is titled The World Honored One Points to the Ground. But I'll give you a, a spoiler alert. It's actually about building a sanctuary, which is what we're, what we're doing today, what we've done today together. Um, to give you a little history, the Book of Serenity is a classic text from Chinese Chan, which is the precursor to Japanese Zen Buddhism. Um, it's just not, not so much a precursor, but it's, it, Zen was being practiced in China as Chan before Dogen Zenji brought it to Japan in the 13th century. And it's a book of koans which are just public, it literally means public case, which is originally compiled by Hongzhi Zhongzhui, who was born in 1091 and passed away around 1157. Um, Hongzhi is also referred to in this uh, text as Chantong. That was the mountain and the monastery where Hongzhi practiced. Um, and originally what Hongzhi compiled was just the case and the verse, you know, had the case and then wrote a verse on it. And then a generation later, Wansong, Wansong Xingxu, 
um, wrote an introduction and then some later commentary. Wam Song was um, 1166 to, 20, to 1246, so um, would have been a contemporary of Dogen. So I'm going to start off by reading the introduction and the case. So as I mentioned, this is called The World Honored One Points to the Ground. The introduction says, as soon as a single mode of dust arises, the whole earth is contained therein. With a single horse and a single lance, the lands extended. Who is this person who can be master in any place and meet the source in everything? And the case goes, as the world honored one was walking with the congregation, he pointed to the ground with his finger and said, this spot is good to build a sanctuary. Indra, emperor of the gods, took a blade of grass, stuck it in the ground and said, the sanctuary is built. The world honored one smiled. So I'll read this one more time. As the world honored one was walking with the congregation, he pointed to the ground with his finger and said, this spot is good to build a sanctuary. Indra, emperor of the gods, took a blade of grass, stuck it in the ground and said, the sanctuary is built. The world honored one smiled. So we have here a story about Shakyamuni Buddha walking through the dusty realms with his followers and looking for a spot to build a sanctuary. And this was something that, that people did in ancient times, I think known as geomancy, looking for an auspicious place. And he pointed to a particular point of ground and, and said, this is a good place. Um, and then Indra. Indra, they refer to as emperor of the gods in this story, but we know Indra probably through a different context. Um, if you've heard of Indra's net, which is the, it's a, it's a metaphor. It's a, it's a metaphorical net that stretches over everything. And at each vertex of the net, each intersecting point, there's a jewel. And the jewel at each vertex reflects every other jewel. And that is a metaphor for interconnection, you know, interconnectedness, the ways in which we are all connected but every so and so is everything else. We're connected to everything. So that when you change one little point in the net, it changes everything. Everything echoes that. So, so this is a it's a wonderful story, and I I often think that um, Shakyamuni could have pointed to any place. You know, I think that's. I think that's maybe a key feature of this story is that he really could have pointed to any place and said, this spot is good to build a sanctuary. So we can recognize, you know, in that way that through interconnectedness, all of the world is a sanctuary, you know, everything. So on one level, you know, we can, we can take this away and, and, and recognize that, Everything contributes to everything else through dependent co-origination. And 
you know, we're sitting here and in a beautiful setting um, where we are protected from some of the elements. <laughs> um, I think we wish, might wish that we had less protection from the sun at this moment, but, you know, but here we are. And, you know, a sanctuary is a wonderful term. We know it as a place of refuge or safety, and the, the root word comes from sanctus, uh, which means holy. That's, you know, and that's our, that's our English word. I actually do not know what the um, Chinese word would have been, but but we can think of it as a holy place or a place of refuge or safety. And we can think about, you know, how wonderful that, you know, this is, that's, that's sort of what, what Buddha's awakening was about was, you know, how wonderful that the whole world is a, is a refuge and a, and a holy place. Um, and yet, you know, I'm, I, I'm really struck by the fact that I'm talking to you about this here. Um, to a group of people who, until we all sat down, were wearing, wearing masks to protect ourselves from each other in a world where we have, we're not able to even be in our ordinary physical zendo because it's not safe because of, you know, a, a pandemic that's happening. And, and so I, and I think especially, you know, just the events of this week in particular, um, you know, leave me sort of wondering, are we in a sanctuary or is this really more of a Superfund site? And, you know, and it's, for those who don't know, a Superfund site is, it's, it's a program designed by the EPA back, you know, 40 years ago to clean up contaminated toxic land. And I, this Practice, you know, brings a breath of fresh air into that experience. But up until I got here today, I really was feeling like, you know, what, what are we sitting in? So, you know, it brings to mind the question of, you know, where and how can we find safety and security and a place of refuge? And how, how are we treating this world like, like it's a holy place? You know, even... Even right now, even in our context of sitting in this beautiful space, we can have experiences that we don't really like and we want to push away, like the cold. My legs are actually shaking right now. <laughs> and I have invited participants here to please, even during the Dharma talk, if you're really cold, please warm yourself by the fire. I'll, I'll just, I'll talk louder. So, you know... I came to this I came to this talk. I, I had planned to give this talk, you know, months in advance, but I came to the talk today really feeling like, you know, how can this broken world possibly sanctuary? Thank you, Hogetsu. I'm being warmed. <laughs> Thanks. So Hogetsu has already maybe anticipated what the verse is going to say, but I'm going to read the verse, Hongzhu's verse. The boundless spring on the hundred plants, picking up what comes to hand, she uses it knowingly. The 16-foot-tall golden body, a collection of virtuous qualities, 
casually leads him by the hand into the red dust, able to be master in the dusts. From outside creation, a guest shows up. Everywhere, life is sufficient in its way, no matter if one is not as clever as others. So thank you, Hogetsu, for picking up what comes to hand. She uses it knowingly. Picking up what comes to hand and being, how did, how did he say? Um, able to be master in the dusts. This is the heart of our practice, really. This is, this is what we have come here to do today, is studying the self. You know, ordinarily, we are caught up in our personal world of our likes and our dislikes, things that we want to grasp at or pull close to us or, and maximize, and things that we want to get away from or push away or minimize. And so through practice, we work to try to study that tendency. We study ourselves and we steady ourselves. You know, we, we can study and we can study through practice. Uh, this tendency to want to grab at some experiences, push away other experiences. And as we get more and more practice with doing that, we can start to move beyond our own personal world of our personal preferences so that we can better see the interconnected world of reality. You know, we're never fully able to do this, but we can continue to work on this and this is you know this is really what we're this is what we're doing here today we're here and we're studying you know moment to moment what's what's happening we we're always a little bit living in the world of delusion and yet as we can start to see you know some of our delusions some of our some of the ways in which we um, you know, inflate some things and minimize other things, we start to get a better sense of, of reality. I'm not going to get too deeply into this, but I think especially in, in uh, you know, the week of, of watching the presidential debate and, and some of the, I watched both the debate and the read commentary, you know, from um, different sources afterwards. And, and each source maximized some things, depending on which candidate they, they really liked. You know, they were maximizing, you know, this candidate did this thing really great. And then, you know, minimizing, you know, the things that, that maybe were obstreperous. And then, you know, maximizing the, the things the other candidates did, candidate did that they didn't like that, and, you know, minimizing some of the, the good side. And we can see that in, you know, the situation outside of ourselves. We practice, though, to see how we're doing it ourselves. So I want to go on and talk a little bit more about the verse. It says, you know, the, the boundless spring on the hundred plants. Right now, I think we're maybe in boundless fall on the hundred plants, but but life is springing, you know, this me, me really means that life is, you know, springing forth all the time. Picking up what comes to hand, she uses it knowingly. The 16-foot-tall golden body, a collection of virtuous qualities, 
casually leads him by the hand into the red dust. So I want to talk a little bit about the 16-foot-tall golden body. That is a reference to Buddha. It's just, it's a, a 16, imagine a 16-foot-tall golden statue of Buddha. We can, we can see that and we can, um, you know, as, as, as people who are practicing Buddhism or Zen, we can revere that, and, and it's an obvious sign to us. I want to read you, though, something that is maybe a little less obvious. So this was written, well, this was, this was part of a Dharma talk from our Dharma ancestor, Shogaku Shunryu Suzuki, who brought our lineage of Soto Zen from Japan to the U.S., back, I guess, wow, 60 plus years ago. Um, and so in this book, in this chapter titled Respect for Things, Suzuki Roshi says, if we think it is easy to practice because we have a beautiful building, that is a mistake. Actually, it may be quite difficult to practice with a strong spirit in this kind of setting, where we have a handsome Buddha and offer beautiful flowers to decorate our Buddha hall. We Zen Buddhists have a saying that with a blade of grass, we create a golden Buddha, which is 16 feet high. That is our spirit. So we need to practice respect for things. I don't mean that we should accumulate many leaves or grasses to make a big statue. But until we can see a big Buddha in a small leaf, we need to make much more effort. How much effort? I don't know. Some people may find it quite easy, but for some like me, great effort is needed. Although seeing a large golden Buddha in a large golden Buddha is easier, when you see a large Buddha in a blade of grass, your joy will be something special. So we need to practice respect with great effort. In this Zendo, everyone can come and practice our way, experience if uh, two people could grab the end of the tent and just steady it. If you could stand there for a few minutes. Thank you. Then you will be practicing respect for the tent. <laughs> and I will appreciate it. In this Zendo, everyone can come and practice our way, experienced students and also those who don't know anything about Zen. Both will have difficulties. New students will have difficulties that they could never have imagined. Old students have a double duty to do their own practice and encourage those who have just come. Without telling them you should do this or you shouldn't do that, the old students should lead the new students so that they can practice our way more easily. Even though newer students don't necessarily know what Buddhism is, they will naturally have a good feeling when they come to a beautiful Buddha hall. That is the ornament of a Buddha land. But for Zen Buddhists especially, the true ornament of the Buddha hall is the people who are practicing there. The people who are practicing here and the people who are practicing there. Each one of us should be a beautiful flower, and each of us should be Buddha, leading people in our practice. Whatever we do, we are considering how to do this. 
since there are no special rules for how to treat things or how to be friendly with others, we keep studying what will help people practice together. If you don't forget this point, you will find out how to treat people, how to treat things, and how to treat yourself. This is what we call the Bodhisattva way. Our practice is to help people, and to help people, we find out how to practice our way in each moment. To stop our thinking and to be free from emotional activity when we sit is not just a matter of concentration. This is to rely completely on ourselves to find absolute refuge in our practice. Thank you for the four bodhisattvas who are holding up our, our tent. I think it's probably okay right now. If um, And actually, I think if you want to walk that post in a little bit, and then if Dylan, if you can walk that one in a tad too, I think it would be, I think we'd be okay as long as the wind isn't blowing. That looks great. Yes. yes. Nope. That sounds perfect. Thank you very much. So, so respect for things and respect for each other and working together. This is what Suzuki Roshi is talking about um, as as being our practice, being practicing bodhisattvas. Bodhisattva, for those who are not familiar with that term, really means wisdom being. And a a bodhisattva is um, a being who has chosen to, you know, kind of try to help others to attain enlightenment, to bring enlightened activity to the world. So I want to talk about maybe what makes a place a sanctuary. You know, we, we could rope off a section of the parking lot out there and call it a sanctuary, but it's not really much of a sanctuary for anything but cars. You know, for animals, we, we think of two ways that, that two, two main kinds of sanctuary. We have, you know, the animal sanctuary or wildlife refuge, which is kind of what we're in right now. And we can think of the sanctuary of a, of a church or a temple or a holy place. So for an animal sanctuary, you know, we, we have to have conditions that attract animals, you know, like, like food, um, water, shelter, things that make a safe and welcoming space for animals. And then animals will just show up. You know, they're not going to show up to our roped off corner of the parking lot because there's nothing, there's nothing for them there it's not a it's not a welcoming hospitable 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 environment for humans though um how do we how do we make a sanctuary you know we we it's it's not so much about food water or shelter it's that we endow a place with meaning and um you know often maybe too often we try to choose a place that's already beautiful. And I think that's, that's sort of what Suzuki Roshi is saying, is that it's easy to practice in a place that's already beautiful, and it's easy, much easier to practice when, you know, we're being nice to each other and people are speaking kindly and um, we're not interrupting each other. And, um, and yet, you know, that's a that's a... Maybe, maybe you know, maybe maybe it's possible for us to you know extend our view of what is a sanctuary. So you know, here we are in a picnic shelter, 
which I think makes a great sanctuary. It, it does have some beauty and it does have a certain amount of comfort. We have a, a roof, so if it were raining, we would be okay. Um, we've done what we can to make it more comfortable. And we've, and we've created a space where we respect the situation. You know, we, we're respecting each other right now by distancing ourselves appropriately so that we are not in danger of harming, harming each other. And we respect each other by, you know, following the schedule and, um, you know, speaking kindly to each other as, as, we, as we encounter each other. And so in practice, you know, we respect people, places, and things as essential. Now that goes also for things that are, that we don't like as much. There's a, a wonderful quote from um, Katagiri Roshi, who was a contemporary of Suzuki Roshi and who worked, they worked together founding the San Francisco Zen Center. And then um, after, a little while after Suzuki Roshi passed away, Katagiri moved to Minnesota and started his own center. But he has a wonderful quote that says, everything, whatever it is, has some reason why it exists. Evil, good, even something neither evil nor good. You cannot destroy devils just because you don't like them. Even though you don't like monsters, still, there is some reason why they exist. Everything is entitled to live in our world in peace and harmony beyond our judgment, our evaluation. This is the first condition we have to realize. Everything is Buddha. And so as we begin to treat everything and everyone as Buddha and that is, that is part of how we are building our sanctuary. I know that it can feel like, you know, how can someone who is doing things that are harmful actually be Buddha? And I know what you mean. You know, it, I, I struggle with that too. But I will say that we, there's something that we know about how things change. And things tend to resist when we push on them. It's, they, they resist our, our changing them. It's when we really come to understand something and understand how it got to be that way that we have, I think, the greatest chance of beginning to change it. You know, we, we start to understand, okay, this is, this is the way it is because for a reason. And, and how can we then, what is it that we need to skillfully move so that we can change it? Just like the, the, the points on Indra's net, how do we, what, which, which point of the net do we need to try to, try to help? move back into alignment. So this is how we can see the 16-foot tall golden Buddha and everything. And this is picking up what comes to hand and using it knowingly. So, you know, when we have our thoughts and preferences and judgments with the, with, with the conditions around us today and every day, you know, can we practice with these? Can we explore them? Um, maybe start with, you know, not believing everything you think. Maybe, you know, a super fun site is a great sanctuary because we're working to clean it up. We're working to understand what, 
what needs to happen to bring this back into balance? So I think I've probably gone on for long enough. Um, you know, when, but I will say, but just to end the verse, you know, everywhere life is sufficient in its way. That's part, that's the last two lines. Everywhere life is sufficient in its way, no matter if one is not as clever as others. You know, we, we are finite and limited beings, but we can live in harmony and in clarity with reality. When we try, when we practice to try to improve ourselves or try to improve something else, that is actually delusion. When we can sit and settle into what is right here and allow the world to manifest itself through us, that is realization. And it doesn't mean that we are not contributing to change, but we're not imposing ourselves on it. We're not bringing our, we're not, we're not forcing things to be a certain way. So I want to leave us with a question of how can we take what we have at hand and use it skillfully? You know, we can, we can, how can we take our experience of our practice today? Um, things that we are enjoying as well as things that are maybe more challenging um, and, and allow this practice to help transform how we see ordinary things on an ordinary day. So how do we bring the specialness of what we're doing right now to the rest of our life? Our life when we're not on a cushion. So thank you for listening. I'm going to, we will have a little bit of time for discussion this afternoon, although I know there are a couple people, a few people actually, who have to leave early. So I'm, there's time for questions, comments, thoughts that people want to share. I'm also, we're going to be managing the um, Zoom questions also. So I want to prioritize questions and comments from people who will not be here in the late afternoon when we'll be able to have a little bit more of a discussion. So David, if you would like to take the phone and direct. Let's see what can be done. They seem to still be there. Yes, and now, now people can see you. Okay. And perhaps, but since I have a phone, is there someone uh, among the Zoom audience who might call on participants? I think it's Douglas. Yeah, I'm happy to do that. Thank you. Tell them to speak up. Oh, I'll, we'll repeat it. I'll repeat the question after after the. Uh, Kathy. Sorry. Um, thank you, Asian, for your talk. And I just wanted to say, you know, as you're talking about Indra's net, you know, and I'm sitting here looking at the sun coming down through the trees where you are in Harms Woods, and I have the sun coming in from me, you know, uh, in northwest Chicago, and I'm thinking about all the people who are on Zoom who, who are coming from different places. You know, it feels like a little Indra's net, you know, or that we 
impact each other and we bring different things to each other. Um, and so in some ways, um, our ability to bring community maybe helps us develop sensitivity around how to be skillful um, when uh, addressing and trying to interact with um, things that feel off or uh, that, that need sensitivity. Um, and so I just wanted to make that comment. Thank, Thank you. you for your I time. Wanna, I want to paraphrase that for people who are here. I think Kathy was, you could, pardon? Could everybody hear? Okay. No, not everyone can hear. Um, so Kathy was observing that starting with some of the commonalities between the sun that we're, she's seeing on our Zoom feed and the sun that she's seeing in her yard and recognizing the ways in which we are all sitting as part of a community and in, including a community of people who are on the Zen call or the Zoom call, not the Zen Zoom call <laughs> right now. And I think talking about the importance of community as a way of maybe how we can, you know, broaden our practice to the world. And did I capture that, Kathy? Yeah, yeah. There's something about uh, being aware of uh, the differences among us, <coughs> excuse me, that um, can increase our ability to be sensitive and skillful to people maybe who are more distant from our point of view or outside our immediate community. Thank you. That's a, that's a great reminder. So Kathy was just reminding us that we can use our awareness of, of differences even within this small group. as a way of, of remembering that there are others with even more diverse experiences, perspectives. And I think that that's a really important thing that, that we, um, if we spend time only with people who are very much like us, we miss a lot of the big picture. You know, there's, that, that's one of the really wonderful things about diversity is that Ideally, with diversity, everyone can learn from each other, that we, we don't fall into a narrow perspective and we can begin to really get a sense of the big picture of, of our world, that we, whether it's racial, ethnic, cultural differences, differences of occupation, um, differences of sexual orientation and gender experience, or, or differences of ability, it really, we... We can't have the big, we can't really understand the big picture without everyone participating. So that's a, that's a wonderful reminder of the holiness of people that we disagree with, maybe, <laughs> you know, to simplify it, that, that even disagreeing with someone, it's, that's, a, that's a valuable perspective to be able to give and to share. And so, you know, it would be great, I think, if we could disagree in such a way <clears throat> that we can still maintain respect for each other and, and allow the other to speak and allow, 
it really is just a throat clearing, but allowing the other's perspective to inform our own and to educate our own. Thanks, Kathy. Anybody here who would like to offer anything or ask anything? Anything coming up for anyone? Chian. Yeah. And I, I just wanted to kind of maybe thinking as you're talking about um, everything being sufficient, um, I was thinking about um, the, when we are saying it, it is sufficient or insufficient, it's a, it's a judgment uh, that is also a passing and transient. Uh, just remembering that if we're liking something or dislike something, if it's cold, or hot, it, it, it all passes, and just remembering that it is just a part of kind of passing and moving. Maybe just being aware of that makes things sufficient in itself. Thank you. Yes, remembering that things are transient, and whether whether we like them or not, this too shall pass. We use it often about things that we don't like, but it's true about things that we like too. You know, the whole, the whole thing is right there. I will say that I was practicing with that while I was watching the presidential debate on Tuesday night. It was, I was experiencing a feeling of unease and agitation and discomfort. And I, I so badly wanted to turn it off. And yet I kept thinking, you know, imagine how unpleasant it must be to be in that room and to be one of the participants. And, and, and here it is, it's happening, you know, and, and I'm going to try to not turn away. And just like you're saying, Chian, as I sat there, I found that my discomfort started to settle down, you know, and it would flare up again and then, you know, it would settle down. So, so that's something that we can do in any context is pay attention to, you know, just what's happening in us, what's making us want to change the channel or, you know, get up and leave or, you know, do something to, to change, maybe something even more, less, less constructive to change our experience. And if we can sit with that impulse, the impulse will pass. Thanks for the reminder. Is there anyone on Zoom? This is a this is a difficult, um, I think, thing to broadcast on Zoom. If there's anybody left, I applaud you. Okay, <laughs> 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 so. One small step for 
people. Yeah, one one giant step for the human race. Yeah. Thank. Well, thank you for being here. This is this is something that we all elected to do together today, on you know, a day off from I guess for most of us, um, you know, in our free time, and we do this because we believe that there's a benefit. You know, maybe we feel it at times when we're practicing, or we see it in our we see evidence of our practice in our behavior. Later on, you know, maybe we're, we're more patient than we were 10 years ago or something, you know. And, and so it's really encur- it's, it's a great encouragement for all of us when we show up and sit together. Is there anybody left on Zoom? <laughs> Does anybody here have anything else to say? Emily. Touch on some concept of, of you know, you mentioned the weather several times, and I, I confess, like, I like during the week, I was kind of watching my email. Like, I wonder if they're gonna say it because, like, it looks like it's gonna rain a lot and it's gonna be quite cold. Um, and and I, I, I even had the thought, like, I don't know if that's a good idea to go sit in the cold for a whole day, you know, like, I had I had some reservations, oh, yeah. and I, I think that it really is a I'm just very grateful that there, that everybody else was also willing to do this. Like I, it, like you said, you, it really does take a, a community to do it. Such a and um, yeah, and I, I think that knowing that other, other people were, were also part of this, you know, that, that, that being able to handle difficult situations, I think has been amazing. That's a great reminder. So we, we encourage each other and we withstand things together and it makes us makes us a sangha you know whoever whoever comes here just for the day or for the hour it, it, it makes us a sangha and uh, it's the, it's I, I think we've discovered it to be the same with our zoom sangha um, you know that we we come together and we support each other and we encourage each other and um, and we do our best together so thank you. Gosha. Um, I would just uh, point out we've had several camping sessions uh, where we go out for several days and we sleep in tents. And some of them have been wonderful, comfortable weather. But the one I remember the most that was perhaps the most intense and wonderful experience of the one where it poured rain and we all had to really hustle to survive. And that was the strongest experience. Yeah. So yeah. I think we will remember this um, nice, cool air experience. Yeah. It, it stands out. I'm wondering if it would be okay with everyone if I think I think we will. Um, I think we have to get off the Zoom call. So I want to thank everyone for coming. I know that you will be doing your own service. We will have our own service later on, so we will not be chanting together. And um, I will hopefully see everyone next week. So thank you for being with us today on Zoom. You can go ahead and leave for us.
I will, I'm wondering if um, anyone would mind if Jokai took a couple pictures of us while we're all facing forward. They're gone, so I guess we will have our service and um, well-being dedication uh, before announcements. And let's see if I can share the screen. All right. Can everyone see the Metta Sutta? Great. And I hope my allergies will let me do this. So. Metta Sutta. This is what should be accomplished by the one who is wise, who seeks the good and has obtained peace. Let one be strenuous, upright, and sincere, without pride, easily contented and joyous. Let one not be submerged by the things of the world. Let not one not take upon oneself the burden of riches. Let one's senses be controlled. Let one be wise, but not puffed up. And let one not desire great possessions, even for one's family. Let one do nothing that is mean or that the wise would reprove. May all beings be happy. May they be joyous and live in safety. All living beings, whether weak or strong, in high or middle or low realms of existence, small or great, visible or invisible, near or far, born and to be born, may all beings be happy. Let no one deceive another nor despise any being in any state. Let none by anger or hatred wish harm to another, even as the mother at the risk of her life watches over and protects her only child. So with a boundless mind should one cherish all living things, suffusing love over the entire world, above, below, and all around without limit. So let one cultivate an infinite goodwill toward the whole world, standing or walking, sitting or lying down. During all one's waking hours, let one practice the way with gratitude, not holding to fixed views, endowed with insight, freed from sense appetites, one who achieves the way will be freed from the duality of birth and death. May all awakened beings extend with true compassion their luminous mirror wisdom. With full awareness, we have chanted the Metta Sutta. We dedicate this merit to our original ancestor in India, great teacher Shakyamuni Buddha, our first woman ancestor, great teacher Mahaprajapati, our first ancestor in China, great teacher Bodhidharma, our first ancestor in Japan, great teacher Eihei Dogen, our first ancestor in America, great teacher Shogaku Shunryu, the perfect wisdom Bodhisattva Manjushri, and to the fulfillment of practice of all members of all Sanghas. Gratefully, we offer this virtue to all beings, all Buddhas throughout space and time, all honored ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, wisdom beyond wisdom, Mahaprajna Paramita.